passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to rewind a raw. I'm John Pollock along with waiting, and I can promise you I will not be going back to Rewind and watch Raw again after tonight. Tonight was the equivalent of someone that uh, hasn't worked out for a month and decided to go to the gym and about 20 minutes in was realizing, how the hell am I going to finish this workout? <laughs> this was a workout. I... I hit a wall way at like 40 minutes in and it was daunting to me looking at the clock of what was to come. And I don't know what was to come at the end of this show. I can't tell you like what I I took out of these three hours about what happened. God knows I am not counting down the minutes until we can see Randy Orton and the fiend again in two weeks. But Hey, I'm happy to be back with you. Way. Oh, well, uh, I'm sure everybody is back. Uh, everybody is happy that you're back, too, especially one Nate Milton, who uh, didn't have to do this again this week. Uh, sometimes, yeah, y- you definitely don't realize how unnatural of an experience it is to sit down and watch this thing for three hours. Um, I'm assuming for you, did you buffer yourself or did you watch in real time? I was I, I was caught up like pretty much throughout the show. So what I would do would be, I would be watching and then I'd just take a break for 10 minutes and then I'd come back and then I'd go once I, once I caught up break time. Oh, you create a bigger buffer. You rebuff. Yeah. It it actually is not a great idea. What you should do out there. If you're going to watch this whole show, you sit down at eight 45, eight 50, you'll be fine. You're going to finish it right around when it ends. You, you You can cut ahead. You can cut through a lot of stuff. 8.45. 8.45. You can start the show at that time and be fine. On Sometimes I've started as, as late as like 9.15, even 9.30. Like you could fit this thing in an hour and a half, especially on a show show like tonight that had so many video packages and like such long drawn out entrances. Yeah, I, I wish I could have just skipped through everything. I made the mistake of, of tuning into this thing relatively early and as a result had to like just sit through all that. And it's just it, it's that much more of a of a marathon at that point. Like, I'm not saying that every every wrestling episode needs to provide that ending or that moment that is like the discussion that came out of Dynamite last Wednesday. There's no way you can expect that. But what you should be able to anticipate after a three-hour investment is that if your friend the next day said, hey, what happened on Raw last night? You instantly have some 
a, a line, uh, just a description of something important that happened on the show the night before. It does not have to be some major uh, figure what debuting. Kidding, what are you talking about, John? Randy Orton almost pinned Bray ran Wyatt. Ran into Ramblin' Rabbit. Yeah, that's yep. Randy Orton met Ramblin' Rabbit in the flesh. He almost tonight. pinned Bray Wyatt, and then the lights went out, and then The Fiend took Bray Wyatt's place, and then the show went off the air. It was nuts. It was crazy. You should have seen it. That was that was your gift after two hours and fifty five minutes was that ending? Yeah, man. Um, you know, it's just I I I love that uh, our your first show back, and it's like I feel like we're just kind of hitting the same topic that we've been hitting on for the past five years. Like this is five years. Way it's been eight and a half years. I feel like three it's, hour. Rods. I feel like it's gotten way worse recently, where they just like are so reluctant to give you any any sort of substantial ending. They love to promote these big matches. Hey, you're gonna get you're gonna get a preview of your TLC main event here: so Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt, and uh, completely reluctant to ever give you any sort of substantial conclusion. You know, um, tonight was just, just as much of a a non finish as, as you would have had for anything it achieved the polar opposite of its intent that by the end of that match i mean it was like watching this match i just i i could not stand watching these two for any minute longer than they did and the absolute last thing i wanted to do was watch this match come away come back again in two weeks time they did the complete opposite of what it was supposed to do for you yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe there is somebody out there that disagrees. Somebody out there might have seen this tonight and said, you know what? This was a great little teaser. I can't wait to see the full thing. And I can't wait to see the Fiend version of Bray Wyatt take take this place. I um, I think you enjoyed, like, we've kind of, like, established uh, maybe an idea of this in the past. But I think if you only watch the pay-per-views, you would probably enjoy WWE a bit more. Well, we don't have that option. We are watching these shows every single week. So that might reinforce your point, but we are watching the connective episodes that lead to these pay-per-view shows. Yeah, that's unfortunate for us. Maybe we should try that one one of these weeks where like one of us actually just stops um, watching the TV and uh, only watches the pay-per-views and maybe I'll, I'll be first to volunteer. How about, how about we review Christmas movies this month instead in this in this place? I feel like there would be a good portion of our audience who would be like down for that, but um, the majority might maybe not. I started watching the sequel to. Did you ever watch the Princess Switch? The Princess Switch? No, I have not. No. This is where um, identical twins trade places, and there was so much drama and riveting comedy from the original that they decided. There's so much more left on the table. Let's create a sequel. And they came up with the hilariously titled The Princess Switch Switched Again. And after 35 minutes, I turned to my wife and said, I would rather gouge my eyes out than continue watching this. I cannot watch this one second longer. And I turned it off. You'd rather watch Raw than The Princess Switch Switched Again? I, I might have, yes. Wow. So already I have elevated Raw. So for all the people that are, why are you complaining so much? There you go. I, f- I found something that uh, was worse in my last week. So what was different about the switching the second time around? 
I mean, I have no idea. All the drama is gone, you know. Like the first time is the freakiest. It's they call it Freaky Friday because it's scary as shit being in somebody else's body. But you know, having having it happen the second time, I mean, much of the drama is gone. No, it was all about this this couple that broke up that was clearly going to get back together, and they had pretty much uh, outlined this in the first twenty minutes of the movie. And I looked at the hour ten that was left in this and said, "Not a chance." Am I sticking around for this? But they they decorated the palace very very festive. So it's already it is Christmas season, uh, Christmas movie season for you. Oh yes, well wait, we're uh, we're like two weeks away from Christmas. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, what else have you seen? I have watched – what did I watch? I watched The Christmas Train, which – listen, all it's of these all movies – sound terrible. Listen, they're all terrible in different ways. You try to find the enjoyment out of the terrible. That's the whole key to a Christmas film. The Christmas Train is about <laughs> – it's stupid. All of these people – did you ever watch Train 48? That, oh, yeah. That, Canadian production. It's pretty much Train 48, but it's a movie, and they're all on their way to California for Christmas. And it turns out that this journalist, who once was a war correspondent, his his fiance was also a journalist who got sick of the profession, quit, and now has gotten into movie making. They find themselves on a train together. He's got a a new girlfriend. Uh, at a distance, she's not on the train, but would later show up on the train. They're about to break up. And in the, the time, the two former love interests come together and realize they can't live without one another. And through all these problems that are happening on the train, they end up getting together. And wouldn't you know it, the woman is traveling with a film director. And this entire thing is one big production. And everyone on the train was cast with the goal of the this couple getting together, including the current girlfriend who ends up becoming the ex-girlfriend and roots on her boyfriend getting together with his ex-lover. Oh, wow. Oh, that sounds crazy. I'm not exaggerating any of this. It's the most ridiculous ending to this film. Anyway, and Danny Glover's in it as the director. Oh, he directs. Wow. Okay. We got to move on. We have so much stuff to talk about. Yeah, sorry. I, am, I didn't, I'm already I didn't know I was going to get a whole synopsis, but thank you. How was your weekend? Was it good? My weekend was good. Yeah, yeah. Watched, uh, you know, just really hung out. Uh, didn't do a whole lot. Watched a bit of NXT. Did you like the show on Sunday? I did, yeah. Of what you saw? It was a fun show. Yeah, it was a, I mean, takeovers are always fun. Um, I watch, I have to say, like, I watch NXT with not really, like, with the same level of analysis as I would, like, you know, things I have to review. Like, it's just kind of on for me, and I try not to think about it so much. And just to kind of see, like, people wear trash cans, diving off of cages, seeing Pat McAfee do moonsaults, like, that was just fun. You see, Pat McAfee was selling his injuries on his radio show today. I saw. That's a bit of, that's a good bit of old school commitment. It was nice to see. What did you think of the show? Uh, I I liked the show. I thought that the, I I enjoyed both the War Games matches. I thought, I thought, like, the women's match, they, they worked really hard. I, I wasn't crazy about the, the trash can spots just because I'm, I really hate those spots where the performer cannot anticipate when the impact's going to occur. And I think you're just, you're really gambling when you're doing stuff like that. Like that, the dive off of the cage was just insanity. Uh, 
And then she also took the uh, the foot stomp as well. And it's just it's it's like we talk about with the buckle bomb, where you know you just you can't brace for when the impact is going to occur. But uh, nonetheless, I, I I thought it was a fun match overall, and it comes out with a direction with Raquel Gonzalez. the The main event it was pretty spectacular, very lengthy match. I think that once you're going forty five minutes, that can be. Uh, you have to be in my mind going if you're going 45 minutes this has to be one of the greatest matches you've seen of the past 365 days so i think you have to be really in elite territory uh i enjoyed the match but it was also very long i could see some of that criticism i also really enjoyed the three way i thought they told a really good story with leon ruff in there uh who i think has you know really capped off like a good month of I mean, unconventional storytelling, I would say, for NXT. Uh, very conventional, I would say, for WWE. But I think it ultimately resulted in a good, like, an interesting, fun three-way that, you know, at least carried the story between um, Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest along another month. And I thought Timothy Th- Thatcher versus T- Tommaso Ciampa, I mean, if you're looking for a more straightforward, just kind of hard-hitting, violent type of, you know, even technical wrestling match, uh, I thought that was excellent. What did you? How do you feel about uh, Pat McAfee and how how they're utilizing him? Um, I think he's very talented. I mean, from what I've seen, it's been like pretty unanimously positive, in my opinion. Um, are there detractors? Are you a detractor? No, I'm not. I'm not a detractor. It's it was interesting to watch. Like like he got a lot of the like pretty much all the major spots in the war games. They they gave to Pat McAfee and it's like, they're not, they're not, they're utilizing him as like this old school manager. But when it, when it comes to having to do the match, like he is, he is booked like a star. He is not like your, your cowardly manager that, I mean, he's the guy doing all the big stunts gets to kick out of the, the Panama sunrise. So it's like this, this balance of trying to make him like old school, Bobby Heenan, but also giving him like like the uh, the in ring worker that Bobby Heenan was before his managerial days as well, and it seems like we're building towards a big blow off with Adam Cole and Pat McAfee at you know some upcoming show. You know, again, like I think when you look at it historically from a wrestling context, a celebrity coming in, doing the talking for a lot of established wrestlers out there, also kind of being featured as sort of like the big like the ultimate bad guy the ultimate boss of the whole thing is is definitely unconventional and when some would definitely argue like unproductive when it comes to you know uh, highlighting the actual people that are your full-timers but at the same time i think if you have a celebrity who happens to be really good at the thing that you happen to be showcasing in professional wrestling and can execute these moves and do it pretty well i would say like he did not look out of place in that match last night he, the spots that he was asked to hit, he executed pretty flawlessly. Um, I think you feature it. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't be really talking about him or NXT maybe at this length, you know, tonight. I I, I think it would be silly if you know a guy can do this and you kind of, you know, handicap him by not having him do it. I do hope we get uh, an, an extended... Pete Dunn, Kyle O'Reilly match as well out of the I thought mm-hmm. Kyle O'Reilly was outstanding in the match. I mean, that guy Got is Oh, it was great. I really like that aspect to it. Like, don't give away the McAfee Cole thing because that's something you can pay off later. And Kyle O'Reilly wins it for the team that can take him off into 
several different directions. Uh, Oni Lorcan posted a photo tonight. I mean, that guy just looked like uh, his eye got, uh, he just looked like a mess after that match. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Candice LeRae too, I believe. A lot of uh, bumps and bruises on the TakeOver card. But uh, Brandon and Davey have their post show up on the site, so you can go check that out, or youtube.com slash upnext. And that can take us into our schedule coming up this week. And, man, this is a loaded schedule. If USADA was knocking on the door this week, our schedule would be sweating bullets because it is jacked. We've got uh, an interview already up on the site today, uh, almost an hour with Moro Ronaldo. This is, uh, to my knowledge, the first interview he's done talking about his uh, decision to leave WWE earlier this year and got into a lot of, you know, what was going on for him and, you know, revealing the fact that, you know, for some of these shows that he was he was doing from his home in, in California, having panic attacks in the morning. And it seemed like he... He understood what his body was telling him, and it was it was time to get out. And I was happy to hear that he put his his stability, his mental health, uh, first and, and foremost in all of this, and didn't try to push through it. Like this was something that I mean, he was very open in the interview that he is not always the easiest person uh, to work with, and realized that you know maybe I was the problem. Whatever, there were circumstances that were no longer working for him. And he made the decision to walk away, which is probably not a decision that most people in that position would w- would make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm certainly happy to hear that that he's taking care of himself. I haven't listened to the interview yet yet, but um, I look forward to it. I mean, it's been really tough trying to really get a gauge on like what's going on with Moral because, of course, he's you know gotten rid of all of his social media, and I I think you know, uh, and again, thankfully so, if it is contributing negatively to. His mental health. I believe he spoke a bit about that as well. He said it was the best decision he made last year was getting off of everything. Awesome. Very happy to hear that. Uh, so that's up on the website now. Again, it's uh, it's almost an hour with Moro Ronaldo talking about uh, his exit from WWE, uh, calling the recent Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. fight, and Snoop Dogg wanting to get a sample from Moro Ronaldo. For an upcoming single. No way. Wow. So just Holy the uh, just the most interesting man out there, <laughs> Moro Ronaldo, uh, with, a, with a mention of, of waiting as well at the end. He had a message for waiting. So uh, check that out on Tuesday. A lot coming out. We've got Andrew Thompson sitting down with Julius Smokes, who was uh, a, a very popular manager in Ring of Honor throughout the 2000s, a very charismatic personality. And I've got to imagine that Andrew got this idea because on the last British wrestling experience, he started talking about Julius Smokes and then all of a sudden, boom, guy went out, tracked down Julius Smokes, and here he is. He's got the interview coming up on Tuesday. Then we have Rewind Away with a review of Ultima Lucha number one from the summer of 2015, and this will be a a big look at Lucha Underground and its first season. And I think the season that, you know, it was really, I would say, the first two seasons where Lucha Underground was at its peak. And after that first season, so much praise for that series, which is no longer around. I think this will be a very interesting review to look back at Lucha Underground only five years ago, but so many uh, different characters that came through lucha underground and a lot of unique concepts for the time period only five years ago 
Yeah, I feel like five years is a good amount of time to like look back at at this thing because it's resulted in several people who have uh, made their way, made their names in Lucha Underground, becoming a bit more prominent. Uh, you know, people like Penta and Phoenix, and even somebody like a Ricochet. You know, who we'll, I guess we'll talk a little bit about tonight. Um, but um, it's it's it'll be really interesting for me because I never watched it originally to dive back in and talk about a lot of this stuff. It's a really easy watch. It's it's a three hour show in broadcast, but it's really just what two two hours plus maybe two fifteen. Um, so it's it's up there on YouTube's for the time being at least. So uh, if anybody's curious, especially ahead of uh, Triple Mania this weekend, if you're in the lucha mood, check it out. And I am expecting the most anticipated episode of Impact, maybe in years, because I can say we got multiple uh, inquiries from people uh, within our scopeway that were willing to do shows on Tuesday to watch Impact. And the ones who will be presenting the Impact Review, the ones who uh, put in the the bid were Davey Portman and Andrew Thompson, who are going to have a special bonus edition on Tuesday night, reviewing Impact and the segment involving Don Callis and Kenny Omega. Who else? Who else? Well, I feel. Uh, oh, I'll tell you know. later. Okay. Oh, it's. Are you excited for Impact? I'm excited. I think people are really getting their hopes up, though. Like, I really don't think it'll be a whole <laughs> two hours of AEW versus Impact. I think it'll be. A five-minute segment with Kenny Omega and Don Callis at the end of the show. That's my. That's what I'm anticipating. I mean, for Impact, I mean, I, I really hope for their sake that they have something big on this show for them selfishly. Like, where you have kind of the interest of the wrestling audience that, I mean, let's be honest. Most Tuesdays come and go, and Impact is not a big discussion point. Like, for all the talk of, like, Tuesday being this open night, it is now slammed with content and Impact is usually not people's number one priority on on a Tuesday night. I feel it will be this week, and I hope they capitalize on this interest uh, for whatever amount of time that it, it lasts. If this is something that it's it's a one week intrigue to tune into Impact, I have seen more people asking where does Impact air than I can recall over the past week. So. I'm sure there will be more of that 10 minutes before the show starts on Tuesday. So for people who might be thinking that right now, uh, in the U.S., of course, <laughs> it's on Access TV. In Canada, it's on Fight Network. And, and it's Twitch. also available on Twitch. Yes. Yes. Okay. Then uh, later in the week, we've got the British Wrestling Experience Thursday as Martin Bushby and Benno will be joined by Rich Fan from Pro Wrestling Torch. Uh, that should be a great show. Friday night for patrons, we will have Rewind to SmackDown live at 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time. And then into the weekend, Phil and Eric Marcotte, they will have the UFC 256 post show live on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash postwrestling, immediately after the pay-per-view. And the week rounds out with Post Pro Res with WH Park and Joey Bay will be joining him for this month's installment. But everything leads up to the main event on Sunday. For patrons at Post Wrestling Cafe, it is Total Recall with Wei Ting and Pauline as they will review Brian Danielson on Shrooms. Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't see the preview. He's well, I don't know what he's on. Uh, he's on something in <laughs> this clip that I have not watched the episode, but just went by the clip. So I look forward to you two recapping this. It's funny. No one else uh, volunteered for this one like they volunteered for the Impact review, eh? No, no. Um huh. Pauline gets this one with you. 
Okay. So that is all coming up. I also want to make mention that this weekend there's a lot of events going on. Uh, Friday, we're going to have Mark Buckelty returning. Uh, he will have uh, a written report covering the uh, best of the Super Juniors and World Tag League final that's happening on Friday. On Saturday, it's Triple Mania, and we're going to be joined by uh, the Cubs fan at Lucha Blog. He's going to have a report up on the site covering Triple Mania as well. John Sino, the man that doesn't sleep, he'll have a report this weekend for Impact's final resolution. Oh, they got a pay-per-view this weekend too, eh? Wow. Well, it's uh, it's an Impact Plus special. Yeah, okay. Still a pay-per-view. Kind, kind of a pay-per-view, yeah. Yeah, like their online streaming service. So that that's coming up as... Uh, you know, a lot of people are getting ready to make their New Year's resolutions. Impact, they're just going to make one final one on Saturday. The last one before you renew them. I guess so. Yeah, this is your last chance to make a resolution. Which, I mean, what are you going to do in two, three weeks? Um, I promise to give up uh, drinking until January 1st. I mean, who's, who's making a resolution now? That's something. Okay. Well, postwrestling.com. Socially distance. Well, I hope I that that'd be a wonderful resolution to make at, at this point <laughs> of the pandemic. You know what? Now I'm gonna have a conscience. On to the news we go. Uh just keeping the, the this rolling along. So the biggest angle shot during the third hour of Raw came right at eleven PM from AEW's Twitter announcing that Shaq will be speaking with Tony Schiavone on Wednesday to address AEW. So AEW is gearing up Wednesday to be a monster show with the two keys, I would say, being Sting and now Shaq speaking on the show. Sting and Shaq, two names I did not expect to associate with AEW uh, at the end of 2020. But uh, here we are. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on with this. I mean, the fact that they announced it this late, I mean, makes you wonder, you know, exactly when this might have been in the works. What exactly Shaq's status would have been this entire time? He made his, they made mention of his debut like several weeks ago and then was not really brought up since. So now the fact that he is going to be on Wednesday suggests that he hopefully will stick around for an another, an actual cycle and maybe more, more of a consistent basis, but we shall see. Yeah, there's a. I, I think that this will be a really interesting week, not just for um, Impact trying to get their visibility, but the bigger one being AEW on Wednesday. What the follow up is from last Wednesday, numbers wise, and new viewers that might have heard a lot of the buzz last week that that tune in this week. Like this is what the objective is to grow that audience by doing a lot of big things this month, and I guess this is just the the latest addition being Shaq to try and transfer over newer viewers that maybe have not sampled AEW. I, I do feel Wednesday is going to be a very strong number for, for dynamite. You know what that is? Is that, um, something involving, um, Shaq's this is, musical career? This is DJ diesel right here. So I hope we got some of this coming up. This is Shaq. Okay. This sounds awesome. Um, I mean, if he ever comes out at Daly's place, he's got to come out to something, and that may as well be it. Yeah, just a bunch of like noises, I think, from the from the from the meat meat grinder in the back. Maybe anyway. they could license some uh, Mr. Wazo. 
Uh, you know, a Shaq, Mr. Wazo team up uh, would be my dream. It seems like that that's kind of his, his musical inspiration. A poor man's Mr. Wazo is what he was aiming for. Could be. But much like his free throw consistency, kind of missed the mark. Hmm. SmackDown on Friday night did 2,130,000 viewers, uh, down very slightly from the week prior. 0. 0.6 in the 18 to 49 demo. They were tied for first, but number one in adults 18 to 34 on Friday night among network programs in Canada. Uh, not a, a crazy night sports wise. So the result was that WWE had the top three slots among sports programs in this country, led by SmackDown with 170, 600,000 viewers, followed by main event at just over 80,000 viewers. And then the one hour condensed version of NXT uh, doing 71,400. I guess you could look at main event. It, it clearly benefits some weeks from just fa- the fact that it follows SmackDown rather than it's the lead in like NXT that you would think that if you are a loyal follower of NXT, you're finding the episode before Friday night in a one hour edited version. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I certainly like find myself if I wasn't recording SmackDown, I'd probably just sit there and like ha- at least have main event on last, you know, um, not this past week, but the week prior, I mean, was it was a much discussed episode where they actually shot like angles involving the gobbledygooker and retribution. And this week already made a return was making some waves here with the return of Jackson Riker uh, being a, a, a protege of sorts for Elias. So I'm sure there's going to be some curiosity attached to that. Yeah, um, where it looks like, yeah, he might just be the the muscle for Elias. I I would just love it if like main event became their like place to just experiment with anything, you know, like things that they know people might, you know, uh, not be, I don't know, for whatever reason, ready to see on Raw. The just the wildest, crazy ideas, like just just do it on main event. It does feel like the show they are at least trying things on it. It's not just the throwaway put on two matches. It seems that, you know, just of late over the past few weeks, you know, experimenting with, with some different stuff. And, and we've seen it largely with Elias, like, mm-hmm. you know, ha- throw him out there to do, you know, weird stuff. If it's playing music for the entirety of a Jeff Hardy ricochet match, the fact they did a Jeff Hardy ricochet match on main event, I think it tells you it's, it's not just a, a throwaway, but something that they're at least putting some kind of thought into. I would love it if main event kind of, you know, evolved into their like very experimental, like, I don't know, art house brand <laughs> where they just like, maybe like one day we'll see an episode in black and white, you know, or one in like completely <laughs> like, you know, in Jeff Hardy's imagination, like all the promos will be cut from Jeff Hardy's like voice in his head. Um, just crazy shit. That's what I want. He could do the commentary solo in his head. Wow. Talking to himself. He's wrestling and doing commentary at the same time. Okay, enough. Uh main event, that's that's your commercial for for, for, for that for that show. Way the Slammy Awards are coming back on December twenty third. I'm not gonna go through all of this. What I what I want to uh ask you about is who you feel had the ring gear of the year. Oh, that's a category we we missed out on and probably will miss out on this year for our best of. But best ring gear of the year? 
Are they doing a worst of as well? <laughs> they they should do worst of awards on these slammies. Oh, Have some fun with them. Um, beyond that, I mean, they've got all the usual categories for match of the year here. We'll read these nominees. I'm not going to go through all of these. They're all up on the website if you are so curious to see who is nominated. But they've got the Undertaker-AJ Boneyard match. New Day against the Hurt Business from three weeks ago on Raw. Are you fucking kidding me? Is that the one where they got counted out or or not? I I think it was the week before that. Um, because the one that I, actually had a finish. Okay. I think so. That is not winning. There's nothing that stands match out to me about year. that match that would be a sh- on a short list of anything. Uh, Edge and Randy Orton, the good match from Backlash. The Men's Royal Rumble. AJ and Daniel Bryan from SmackDown on June the 12th. That was for the IC title. Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, the I Quit match at Hell in a Cell. Sasha Banks and Bayley at Hell in a Cell. The three-way uh, ladder match between Sami Zayn, Jeff Hardy, and AJ Styles that had the clever finish. Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns at the Survivor Series. And Becky Lynch versus Asuka from the Royal Rumble. Okay, on that list, I feel like they have to choose Randy Orton versus Edge. Right? Would it I not think, be hundred yeah, percent? Would it not be like a complete mockery of their own heavy promotion of of that being the greatest match ever if they didn't choose that? It's not even the greatest match of the year. Yeah, I think I think hundred percent that one has to has to win. Although they are they are doing voting for this, so are we'll they? see how. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's what they're they're doing voting. So, okay, could uh, be legit. Anyway, I I think honestly I think that one would probably get the most votes too. I think I think among people voting, it's going to be that and the boneyard match that would get votes. You would think. Perhaps, yeah, we shall see. What I am curious about is, is so this is a network special. Yeah, it's just going to be on the network this year. Like before uh, NXT, I suppose? It's on a Wednesday? Uh, it, it's, it's airing at 10 a.m. in the morning. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why you there. don't save, save this for like an episode of Raw. Like you have three hours. the same thing. Like tonight's show greatly could have used a theme to it. And you're not telling me in a couple of weeks' time after the pay-per-view, enough weeks before the Rumble, before you're building that up, that for one episode of Raw... Um, you could you could mix in awards to be handing out. I I I'm with you. I think that this would have been a better uh, thing. You could you could have awards given out o- across both shows. I mean, it's something for the week's TV. I think we've seen any sort of like you know branded uh, special edition of your TV show will result in like at least a slight bump. You know, we've seen that with of course Dynamite, and we're see we're going to go ahead to see it with NXT. I don't know why, like, Rob doesn't make use of, of certain things like this. Uh, what I am curious about is whether or not these are just going to be awards for the sake of awards, or if we'll see, like, you know, Slammies of the Past where, where they'll lead to angles. Like, where, where, you know, like, Owen Hart will win two Slammies and then just hold on to them for the rest of the, the year. Um, things like that. But, yeah, the fact that it's on Wednesday at 10 a.m., I guess, doesn't give me a ton of hope. Uh, I thought tonight it was... I thought it was a bit of a, a misstep, the fact that they they did not make any kind of mention about debuting at Tropicana Field on Friday for SmackDown. Like, the SmackDown promo was very vague about what is Roman Reigns going to do on Friday. And granted, this is not the, the gigantic shift of going from uh, the empty performance center to the Thunderdome. But nonetheless, we've seen that the location matters to people. And I think just the idea of seeing that visual, uh, whether it's a drastically different look than what we're seeing present at Amway Center, I would have made at least some 
kind of a deal out of that tonight and just made it the focus of the SmackDown promo. You almost get the sense that they're trying to downplay the fact that they're going to be changing venues. I mean, it'll probably still be called the Thunderdome. So, you know, have they ever made mention of, of this being the Amway Center that they're actually in? No, it's just, you know, just to... It will I just look, think it's. It, I mean, it will look different. I mean, it's 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 like a you're going stadium. to a baseball stadium. I'm at, like, even if you shoot it a certain way, I, I like there's going to be a difference to it. And at the very least, there's a curiosity. I think just to see what it's going to look like, and they clearly prove that people are interested in that kind of thing. I get the feeling that like the Thunderdome is is going to be this sort of like you know pack up and travel kit that they can put anywhere. And as a result, maybe they don't want to put so much emphasis on on the actual building that they're in and maybe just let people think that, Oh, this is going to be, you know, relatively the same everywhere we go. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how different it looks. Um, just quick, quick notes here. Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi won the real world tag league earlier today, uh, at, at core Q and hall. They defeated uh, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto in the final match of the tournament. And they, they won the tag league with uh, 10 points and this Friday, we've got the finals of the Best of the Super Juniors and World Tag League. It's come down to Hiromu Takahashi against El Desperado. And the Tag League features David Finley and Juice Robinson taking on the Gorillas of Destiny. And that will likely set up uh, two more Wrestle Kingdom matches with the winners challenging for the titles on January 4th or 5th. Mm-hmm. And this is a Budokan Hall on Friday. Oh, wow. Okay. And the final thing, Way. One of the few times I'm going to ask your expertise about a boxing story, and that is the news that Floyd Mayweather Jr. is going to have an exhibition fight with Logan Paul on February the 20th, location to be determined, city to be determined, commission to be determined, rules to be determined, but it's Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Logan Paul, internet sensation, Logan Paul. I think this is the future of combat sports. You know, it's just going to be established, maybe semi-retired, um, <laughs> you know, a- a super athletes taking on YouTube stars with a uh, year's worth of training. I, as long as people are going to pay to see it, that then they'll do it. I mean, there's clearly a great deal of money to be made here. These ideas, I think, especially after the the, the enormous success of the, the Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight is going to elicit tons of copycats many of which will fail this will not be one of them i do think like this is going to do pretty well they're also doing this strange uh experiment where from now until well for the first 1 million people to order this fight beginning now you can get it for 24.99 then once they hit a million it jumps to 39.99 then on or after December 29th, it jumps to 60 bucks, And then after February the 11th, so with nine days to go up until fight time, it jumps to $70. That's an interesting tactic. Yeah. I mean, puts a bit of urgency on everybody. Uh, perhaps, I don't know, taking advantage of the Christmas rush, I suppose. Um, now you got me thinking, man, should I get this? I had no, I have no desire for it at all, but I, everybody wants to get in on a sale, don't they? I'm curious to see what the result is of this, because on the surface, you would think anybody today spending money on this fight is 
like your fan that guaranteed would be the most likely to spend $70 the day of for this fight. So if you're, if you're scaling that at a million orders that you're willing to let people buy for $25, that to me is like a sizable portion of the people that probably would spend north of $50 on, on this fight to begin with. So but maybe the economics make sense for them. I'm sure it makes sense. I'm sure part of it is them really wanting to inflate these numbers to make sure that they hit over well over a million. And also, like, you know how people love to procrastinate, you know, especially when it comes to spending a good chunk of money on something so stupid as Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul. I mean, this is talk about a, uh, you know, um, I don't know, a necessary spending here. Like, talk about luxury spending here. Hey, mom, can I get 25 bucks to watch a YouTuber fight Floyd Mayweather? Like most people, I think, are definitely going to be on the fence about just the shame of committing that amount of money to something like this. But this conversely, was... yeah, conversely, if you suddenly you look at this and you're telling me right now, you're thinking, oh, man, should I buy this now? I'm joking. I'm not. I know. I'm not I know you are. It. You're not going to. That's OK. You're a perfect example here. You are not going to buy this at twenty five dollars. But. Somehow they do a remarkable promotion, and come February 20th, you're like, God damn, I really want to see this. Are you more averse to spending $70 knowing you missed your chance at getting this for 25 that you actually have a negative reaction to the price that you're not going to buy the card, even though you're in, they have grabbed you, they have hooked you in? I think that works. I mean, that's a, that's a sound argument for uh, maybe like a Bluetooth speaker. That's on sale, you know, man, like it would be nice to have this Bluetooth speaker on Boxing Day when it's on sale, you know, when when whatever De December 27th comes around. I probably don't think about that box, uh, that Bluetooth speaker that much. The, the, the nature of like pay-per-view and sporting events is that you think about it way more, way more, way more and ultimately to a peak on the day of. So you're going to want that thing way more than you did, you know, before like sometime in December. When it was $25. So at that point, you're probably justifying ways like, you know what, maybe I'll cut my money here. Maybe I'll split this with my friend. So it'll kind of be like 20. We're, we're both paying $30 for it. Uh, maybe I just won't, you know, eat for two days. Uh, like you're, 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 you're going to be stupid and you're going to just spend that money anyway, I bet. On one serious note related to this exhibition, should this happen in the United States in a commission state? Is this not the ultimate indictment of the failing of a commission? Like that is the prime, the primary function of a commission is to avoid something like this happening. <laughs> but the economics, we both know, are going to override that judgment. I mean, I don't know how it works with exhibitions. Do you, do you require that much involvement from commissions? It's still, uh, you're, you're putting Logan Paul into a ring with, Floyd Mayweather Jr. And again, we don't know what any of the rules are. Like, we don't know if it's going to be different glove size, different time to the rounds. But I mean, this will happen in a boxing ring. And this is like completely ludicrous. Oh, yeah. In that sense. Like, if you're looking at this from any kind of like for a commission, like just spare me the discussion about what what you're doing that makes this OK. Like, let's just be completely honest. This thing's going to make a ton of money and a commission is going to simply be allowing this to happen when this is the exact thing that they should not be guided by economics, but instead a safe, the safety of a fighter. But let's just be completely honest that that is not going to happen here.
Oh God, I don't, I don't know if anybody looks at the sport of boxing and, and the commissions that represent boxing as any sort of like great role model of like, you know, morality in sports. So, um, well, depending on the commission, like there's serious commissions, there's not so serious commissions. And then there's the option that they could go somewhere where there's no commission. So this will happen. Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt. All right, that is all of the news. You can find the rest at uh, postwrestling.com. And I do want to mention the, the last thing before we get to Raw is that our annual Christmas show is coming up. And that means our annual Christmas jingle contest. And we have posted a thread up at forum.postwrestling.com. All submissions can be made uh, in that thread uh, between now and Thursday, December the 17th. That is the deadline. At noon Eastern that day, so you can work on your submissions, send them in. Uh, do you have any any guidance way for these Christmas jingles? You know, um, honestly, not really. Like I, I would say, please don't go too long. Like you know, if you're gonna, if it's gonna be a like a five minute song, there's a good chance we'll probably cut it off at like you know two minutes. So uh, it, I I, def- I definitely think uh, brevity as well as just like. You know, less is more when it comes to a lot of these things. Um, we tend to value um, and effort, certainly, and 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 just uh, maybe humor definitely helps too. But they don't always entertain us. Fun. Yeah, entertainment, def- definitely. Okay, into Raw, our final Raw at the beautiful Amway Center. The show started off with all of the talent and locker room out on the stage, including Vince McMahon and Paul Levesque for a moment of silence and 10 bell salute for Pat Patterson. Uh, later in the show, they were airing uh, tweets. They re-aired that great video that they did for him uh, getting, you know, this was, you know, a tribute that they put across all three programs over the last week. Yes. Yes. In, I mean, this one, I would say they are all relatively similar. I mean, they all air, air the same video package, but I think just giving enough coverage on all their shows. And it's a, it's a bit of a morbid discussion, but of course, like anytime we, we, we see WWE handle these things, like we know that there's sort of a tier of like people that they, I don't know, would, would uh, how much airtime they devote to, to somebody's passing. And I would say Pat Patterson is probably among the very top of people that they've given the most airtime to. Um, I mean, short of like, you know, a whole episode of, of whatever Raw or SmackDown dedicated to, to him, like uh, multiple airings of this across all three brands, um, you know, the roster, all three rosters coming out on stage at the at the front of the show to honor him. So, uh, you know, it's it's more of a just a discussion on, you know, how they perhaps perceive these things. It's not any sort of judgment whatsoever. Do you see them doing anything Regarding Pat Patterson for the Royal Rumble, absolutely. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, the, the the closeness of 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 the Rumble itself to his passing, and of course him being so well known for it, I absolutely think they do. But uh, well, I guess the question is, what what sort of thing do you think they they do? Well, that that's the next question. I mean, I can't see them renaming it. I don't think they're going to change the name of it. I guess you could do something like have whether it be a trophy, whether it be hmm. some kind of signature that uh, you attach to the set, like you could hmm. have, you could work his image into the set. I, I said it way back when Howard Finkel passed away. I thought it would have been a really nice touch to have the recording of Howard Finkel reading off the rules like he would do every year that you could just air every year. Um, but I, I see Patterson more likely than Finkel being honored at the Rumble next month. Yes, I think so too. Yeah, um, I'm sure 
they're you know the ideas that you suggested i i don't think are are bad at all um so it makes me wonder uh for sure maybe it could be a, something as simple as you know maybe i don't know very standard pat patterson type of finish that you would typically get in a rumble that they would reference but i, I have a feeling they might do something a bit louder than that randy orton kicked off the show and he said that most would tremble in fear at the fiend, but Randy Orton is no ordinary man. He smashed his moral compass, and I don't wear a mask. Where's this going, Randy? To let the darkness out, and he will stare the devil right in the eyes. Mm-hmm. Not a mask wearer. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Wow. I set that one up poorly. <laughs> And he said he is going to walk up, knock on the door, and let him know that the most evil SOB on earth has come home. The Funhouse appears on the screen. Bray says there's no Alexa this week. And he plays a, he starts to host a game show called Let's Get Randy. And Bray hosts this show where they're playing for a crucifix and the rotting corpse of the friendship frog. And the question is how Randy should be punished at TLC. Um, if you were asking how could we be punished tonight, it was these segments. He says, after they all answer, they are incorrect. Bray gets serious with the ominous music and Orton cuts him off, challenging Bray Wyatt, not the Fiend, to a match tonight. And then he'll face the Fiend at TLC. Right. Yeah. Um you know, it was another Firefly Funhouse that was really off the rails. Um, it felt kind of like your usual very busy, and I would say ultimately unsatisfying, like, Firefly Funhouse segment. There are a lot of interesting characters and ideas, but, like, I I don't know how much... Me- like, again, if you ask Bray Wyatt, I'm sure he'll, it's, it's completely clear in his head what this was supposed to represent. To me, and as somebody who's been a fan of these things in the past... The only really value I got out of it was them reminding us exactly what this crew six was, you know, which they brought back weeks ago, but never really bothered to remind us what, what, what it was about. So um, maybe it'll play a role in their match. Maybe it won't. But um, beyond that, the whole month really has been like, the fiend's going to show up. Like, that's the storyline here. You know, the fiend's going to show up. It's really the storyline for any of, of these Bray Wyatt programs. They missed out on the easiest game show for the play on words factor. Wheel of Orton. Mm. Yeah. Nia Jax is in the back with Shayna Baszler. And they say that Lana and Asuka got lucky last week. Baszler must demolish Asuka. And then when they are done with Lana, they will take her hideous face and make it hideous. Sorry, they're going to make her face hideous. And then, quote, her front is going to look like her back, and her back is going to look like her front. And Naya had a puzzled look, concluding that Lana's boobs will be on her back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, injecting a bit of humor into this uh, grade school bullying, I think. Yes, I think that the body rejected that. Um, attempt at humor. Oscar and Shayna Baszler—they actually had a, uh, a a fun kind of uh, submission battle here at this, the beginning. This was a first-time singles match between these two, was it not? Um, they had had uh, it, on the main roster. Had they even wrestled in NXT? 
Yeah, yeah, they had. had Are you sure? I'm, were you they, that they were down there in the same time? Mm, uh, you might be right. So anyway, at, at the very least, it's one of, if not the first singles match between these two. No fanfare whatsoever. Like this is a match that absolutely could headline a major pay per view. Like if this match had taken place at a takeover, it would be one of the most like it would be a dream level status, one of the most anticipated matches that like you could have had. You know, instead it's just like it's just on Raw with no build whatsoever as background for this Lana Nia Jax thing. Yeah, you're right. First singles match ever. So, well, uh, you can announce this ahead of time. You needed that setup in the back. Yes, yes, boobs on the back of um, Lana's. Asuka got the ankle and then turned it into a released German and then hit the code breaker, which is just identified now as a face busker, and goes for a flying armbar to Shayna. She flips out, goes for the Kirafuda clutch, but Asuka reverses out. Then Naya attacks Lana on the floor. This distracts Asuka. Baszler attacks her from behind as Lana pushes Naya into the steps and then hits a Rana, which I have dubbed the Hurricane Lana. Sending Nia Jax nice. into the desk as Baszler yells at Lana and gets rolled up by Asuka in eight minutes, 29 seconds. And they put over that this is three straight wins by the tandem of Asuka and Lana in some combination over Shayna o- and Nia. Over Shayna specifically. I don't think Nia's ever taken a pin. So. She has not. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But has been in the the tag matches, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was some, you know, pretty good wrestling at the top but like overall it was like i thought it was just potentially great wrestling that was watered down by this really lame feud even this finish it just it was just another typical distraction schoolboy roll up because for some reason Shayna couldn't take her eyes off alana ringside it was ultimately just i don't i i feel wrong even complaining about it because at this point you know exactly what to expect from raw but just knowing that this what this could have been uh, under a different, you know, even under NXT is, is definitely disappointing. Distractions are lethal. Yes, of course. Yeah, I know. I don't know how these people have performed all these years in front of fans. I think they all have not... ADHD on the main roster. That would be an interesting plot point. The Hurt Business are backstage. They just yell at a PA and we go backstage to Brooke Wow. You're back in full force. I've been I've been working <laughs> out. Ricochet and Dana Brooke. Um if they had chemistry, it was uh vinegar and oil. You put vinegar and oil together? Um if I'm eating dumplings. Then I guess then I guess this could work. No, but they, they, don't, they don't mix well. So I mean they don't mix like they don't uh they're not soluble solvent well this segment needed uh some added uh some added comedy it did not find it because riddle was part of this who walked around throughout the night his gimmick now is being the guy everyone in the office hates it's riddle with his bro nuts yeah, he's just um kind of like annoying, goofy guy, you know, that I think people in character and storyline hate, but I think the people watching are supposed to just absolutely love. Like Urkel. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Which I remember that first time that we went to that AIW show and we were talking about the the potential of, of Matt Riddle. And was it you that told me, you know, if they just put this guy on a path a la Jaleel White from Family Matters, this guy could be huge. Yeah, I I definitely think they're just missing like a, did I do that? You know? He needs a Laura on this show. That's that's maybe maybe that's what he's missing. I think him doing some sort of Stefan alter ego would be really fun though, wouldn't it? Sure. Yeah. Like when he feuds need... with the the fiend, I think he should have his own alter ego. <laughs> Could be. Um Ricochet just talked. He is not opposed to being part of a team. He's opposed to being on a team full of jackasses. And there are strength in numbers. And that's why he has enlisted the help of Dana Brooke. And Dana is going to slap Reckoning around and give her a receipt for this black eye she got last week. I didn't realize like she, she got legitimately hit, resulting in that black eye. It looked pretty rough. But, you know, I thought Dana sounded pretty good here. At least in contrast to Ricochet. So, um... If there's one thing to go back and rewatch on this show, watch Dana Brooke and to a lesser extent Ricochet, their reactions, their so natural reactions when they are offered the donuts. The bro-nuts, you mean? Yeah. The bro-nuts, yes. Reckoning and Slapjack are with Mustafa Ali, and they do... A promo where each finishes the other's sentence, which was so cute. And they are going to prove Ricochet and Dana to be failures. Ali is a patient man, but Ricochet and Dana are wearing his patience thin. And they will meet their end tonight. You know, how can really anybody take Ali's threats seriously at this point? He's pretty much like failed on every front. You know, it's like it's a terrorist association that just can't accomplish anything. Well, the thing about failure is that there can always be more. And that was the story of this match. Brooke and Reckoning are trading slaps. Uh, Ricochet got to shine with his Fosbury flop. That was his high point of the week. Ali starts yelling at Ricochet that you belong with us. And Ricochet was like, no, man. Even I have standards at this point in my my tenure. Slapjack hits this falcon arrow, misses with a cannonball, and then Dana Brooke is legal and hits a cradle shock onto Reckoning for the win in a minute 41. Ali is pissed off. He yells at Reckoning for embarrassing him yet again and then yells at Slapjack as he storms out. This group is awful. I think we're at the stage now in in the life of, you know, a WWE project where they realize that um, there's no coming back. There's no chance of actually promoting this group. Like, they've completely given up. Ali was that, was the life preserver, and they're drowning. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were drowning, I would say, from the get-go once they introduced those names. And Ali, like, yeah, was that life preserver for that one week. And now it's just like... um, I guess they, I don't know. They're this is they've run out of like, this air. is one of the all time worst ideas um, that they've mm. come up with character wise. This is a There's horrendous group. 
There's been the only the only silver lining is the fact that the non uh, uh, Ali members can at least go back to their original identities and not ever be associated with these characters again. Mia Yim did lose her mask last week, but she, yeah, fine. Yeah. I, I, is, I, that, I, is that Mia Yim? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that's where we're at now. I think they're about to, you know, abort this terrible experiment here by having Ali at least tease kicking some members out. So maybe, maybe this will be the beginning of the end for revolution or oh. retribution. Sorry. Exciting. Seamus met with Keith Lee. Seamus said, I really loved your, uh, your documentary last night. Um, what do you have planned tonight? And Keith Lee said, nothing. This is it. He <laughs> says the locker room still thinks Seamus is going to stab Drew in the back. Seamus said, yeah, maybe that was it. That was Keith Lee's involvement tonight. Mm-hmm. He's sort of the detective here, you know, detective <laughs> Lee privately on the scene here. He's, he's, he's on behalf of the locker room investigating the Seamus, whether or not he's an actual good guy. So they are still continuing to sow the, the, the seeds of doubt here. Maybe it's Keith Lee. That's going to turn. That would be a, a nice little, um, Swerve. It's usually what go. happens. Yes. He's been plotting quietly. And I think Seamus is going to end up being like Hugh Grant in The Undoing. You know, you think he's guilty? Oh, sorry. No, never mind. Never mind. Uh, nothing. You haven't seen it yet, have you? I I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So I okay. guess Hugh Grant. I didn't is, spoil anything, yes, anybody. So don't worry. I don't even know. Uh, they mentioned uh, the birth of Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch's daughter, Rue. Which they announced on Monday. So congratulations. Congratulations. Yes. Ms. TV. That, everyone, was the end of hour one of three. You're not Ms. talking about our podcast, are you? Oh, I am, actually. <laughs> we just finished our first. Dude, we literally just hit the hour mark. Yes, yes, yes. I know. Well aware. Well, we also ended Raw's first hour. Uh, Ms. TV. They brought out AJ Styles and almost... They promote Drew and AJ. They're going to have a TLC match at TLC. They don't have a chair for almost, so he's got to stand outside. And AJ puts over that this is the first time that he has ever faced Drew McIntyre. First time ever, which is funny because he had multiple tag matches with him last year, along with a triple threat earlier in January. Okay, well, he's talking about a singles match. Well, he said, I've never faced him before. He literally has. Okay. <laughs> yep. Miz and Morrison did impressions of Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I can only be completely honest with my, my grading here, okay? I wrote up my notes. Miz and Morrison did the most god-awful impressions you have ever heard. And by the end of this, I had to delete that line. I thought this... This was rather amusing because the joke just kept going and going to the point that it was – they heightened one another. Oh, they were god-awful, but, like, they were so god-awful. But it was funny by the end of it. Yeah. After getting it, – it, like, went to such a low point that it just shot up and I enjoyed it. It was very funny, yes. AJ loved it. If you were watching his face, this dude was, like, ready to get the popcorn out. He was just uh, a pig in shit here during this segment. I love, like, this this pairing of these four 
just like Miz and Morrison kind of being goofballs and AJ just kind of being the one on the outside, like being their laugh track. Great. What if AJ had to do one of the voices? How would that sound? <laughs> I don't know how that would sound. I would literally need to work on that. Seamus comes weird. out. Oh, hell. Seamus walks out and he's just laughing away. He says if they were in a bar in Ireland, he would nail their faces in. This guy thinks he's Conor McGregor going into a bar. Only Seamus wouldn't hit a uh, an older gentleman. He says that uh, they go over the numbers advantage they have, but then Drew comes out to assist Seamus. Drew gets in his clever line that he's not worried about jackass and the beanstalk and then explains how the Miz has balls, but his real balls are at home in Maurice's purse. And then calls Morrison a sidekick bitch. Styles notes it's now balls four on bitch two. in the same promo. Amazing. Yeah, he was so edgy here. And then Drew and Seamus cleared the ring. Yeah, you know, overall, I, I thought this was an enjoyable segment. I thought Miz and Morrison were, were really funny. Uh, I think when Drew and Seamus came out, they weren't simply baby faces who often would succumb to like a really comedic heel making fun of them. Like in the end, Seamus and Drew McIntyre ended up looking pretty cool. And then that money in the bank throw, that that shot put throw at the end was Dude, magnificent. Dude, this guy, he's going to like throw his shoulder out as they go into mania season. This guy can't be doing the, these like launching this thing like he did. His throw was insane. I mean, it looked it looked relatively easy for him. He even took out one of these boards. Crazy. Good for him. He's also I, got I, got a sword sound effects, and he's in front of his music now. Well, of course. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have I have nothing to add to this segment. Uh, I thought Miz and Morrison were were entertaining. To be quite honest, by the end of it, Drew and Sheamus kind of like don't have a sense of humor. That's what I took from this. Kind of an overreaction I, I to, to like differ. what impersonating you? Well, I beg to differ. They 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 clearly love to beat each other up and then laugh about it afterwards. So so they find different things funny, but they do have a sense of humor. I do realize that one day Dominic and AJ are gonna like knock on my door and they'll probably have this reaction. They'll throw your laptop across the room, maybe. Well, it's okay. I'll. I'll, I'll I'll try and wear Dominic's shirt so it'll blind him, and then I can uh, uh, escape. I don't think you could afford it. <laughs> Kofi Kingston and Shelton Benjamin. They brought up their historic rivalry in ECW. Yes, this, yes. This was a classic. <laughs> 12 years ago, yeah. This was awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you know that these two have had matches in some form or fashion, like four of the last six weeks of television. Oh, I'm well aware. Yeah, I've sat through every single one of those. Yeah. So you know what tonight needed? The New Day against the Hurt Business, two matches instead of one. So Mm -hmm. it began where Kingston lands on his uh, ankle and Benjamin attacks the ankle. He is just destroying it with an ankle lock. And Kofi is selling the ankle. He gets dumped over the top to the floor, which for the guy that had all the elimination, the near eliminations in the rumble, he got very easily thrown over the top. So I hope this guy's in fine form come January. 
sidesteps Shelton, who runs into the barricade, just breaks the count in right into a trouble in paradise, and Kingston pins Benjamin in 325. Cedric Alexander had an impromptu showdown with his voice, which was uh, about to run away. Uh, dude, this guy was about to, like, choke, I thought. Like, god damn, I thought he was like, going to need, like, something to give him the Heimlich maneuver. Like, he could barely talk here. It was hey, like cover. <laughs> it was unusually high pitched this week. Um, I'm not really sure why. I've heard Cedric speak many times. I know he's he's been trying to like you know convey a more aggressive, confident tone. Um, sometimes maybe you can get so confident, your voice just like hits another register. Uh, I I guess so. Whatever, whatever octave he was going for. Um. This was, he's not a screamer. I think that that is kind of what we've learned. Sure. He's more of the, you know, uh, I'm going to threaten you, but talk in normal voice type of guy. Yeah. So the second match begins Kofi and Cedric Alexander. Alexander attacks the knee. Alexander gets caught with an SOS for a two count. Then he hits his brain buster. Alexander gets dumped off of the top. Kingston leaps off the top. Lands on his bad knee and gets hit with the lumbar check. They could not have made Kofi look uh, less wise here with this choice of maneuver. And Alexander pins him in four minutes and 22 seconds. And they put over that Alexander has now pinned both New Day members. So this has to mean more matches between the New Day and the Hurt Business. Yeah, everything you saw over the past five weeks, um, that was just a teaser. That was just... (laughs) That was just to whet your appetite. That was just the trailer. Wow. The, the five hours of trailers that you watched for this movie. Wait till you see the actual movie. Um, well, there were. It, it's hard to gauge the reaction to a match in this setting, but uh, Cedric Alexander won this match, and Big Swole was extremely happy on Twitter about this victory. Well, what'd she say? I'll uh I'll I'll, I'll get what? your reaction to it. Okay. Um Oh, you sent it to me. Okay. Um okay, look. Uh Sorry, I got to bring it up. Uh, okay. Zaddy one. Uh Oh, wow. Okay. Come uh okay. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Well, it's nice to see a, you know, it's nice to see um, a healthy relationship. I think uh, couples that are comfortable conveying uh, interpromotional support as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's nice to see that. The big news of the night is that at TLC, the official theme will be Highway Six 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 by Corey Taylor. Yeah. Yep. Did you tune into any of Hardy's live performance, not Jeff, at Tribute to the Troops? I missed it, man. Um, I heard he it performed was performed his hit single, Give Hell, Give Heaven a Little Hell. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to go back uh, and just uh, look up the, the band on Spotify. But I heard the show was very good. In all it, was a, it, was a, it was a fun show. It was like very, you know, a, a, lot, of, a lot of great stuff that they put on those shows. So there was... Uh, an enjoyable show. Look at the man. This this Hardy lineup, okay? 
These are his top five songs. One Beer, Give Heaven Some Hell is number two, Rednecker, Boyfriend, and Truck. Truck. Just truck. Oh, truck. Of course, of course. No, I don't have the patience. I can't really hear yeah. it. It's no DJ Diesel, I'll tell you that. N- clearly not, who they should have got. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus against AJ Styles, The Miz, and John Morrison. So early in the match, Sheamus nearly nails Drew after Miz ducks, and Drew tells Sheamus, keep your head in the game. And then they catch John Morrison leaping to the floor, and they dump him onto the desk. After the break, AJ's refusing to tag in. He's letting Miz and Morrison do all of the heavy lifting until they get the advantage on Drew. Then AJ briefly tags in. And he's out. They uh, rake the eyes of Sheamus. They get the advantage on him for a while. The calf crush is applied. Drew comes in to break it. And that just leads to white noise delivered to AJ. And Sheamus makes the big tag to Drew, who goes nuts. Belly to belly suplex to Miz. Belly to belly suplex to Morrison. He then grabs both man's bellies and delivers a belly to belly to belly suplex even though it's not exactly as described. More like a, you know, side rib to belly. Yeah, kind of a, yeah, rib to rib to rib suplex. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue as easily. He sets up Morrison for the Claymore. Miz pulls him to the floor, and AJ attacks Drew from behind. Sheamus makes the tag. He's going rib. wild. A McRib just came up with it. Perfect. Sheamus misses Morrison and Brogue kicks Drew. And that leads to a phenomenal forearm by AJ, who pins Sheamus at 15 minutes and 45 seconds. I, I like the way like this ended, where you're teasing this. Everyone's expecting Sheamus to turn. They're playing into that. Uh, and then you get AJ getting the pin here, which he should be going into this pay-per-view. I thought it was a very good match. It was actually quite entertaining. And handicap matches to me are always like, um, I don't know how I feel about them going in. Cause like oftentimes it's just obviously result in just a complete destruction of the people on the, on, uh, not on the handicap side. In this case, they protected AJ completely by having him cower away until the very last moment. And then he got the win. And of course, Miz and Morrison are completely expendable, you know, so it doesn't really matter. And you continue to plant these possible, uh, you know, uh, dissenting feelings between Sheamus and Drew. So up until this point, I thought this was a good segment. And it's a storyline I continue to greatly enjoy. And that Money in the Bank briefcase is just the ultimate goal for all of these performers to aspire to as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're bulletproof, John. You can't lose. You can't can't lose any value. you know, you're just your your status in the industry is cemented as long as you hold it. We also got the Shawn Michaels diesel high five from AJ to almost after the match. Yeah, I like cute. these two together. I I think this guy this guy almost uh, Big Jordan. I think this guy's like got some. He's got some comedic timing in him. He does. We barely seen it though. Like it's we, it's very it's it's not over the top though it's just it's subtle which yeah. is I'll take on this program I agree I want to see more of it uh, and especially I want to see like him and AJ interact a little bit more 
I also like the fact they brought up that AJ is unbeaten since he was drafted to Raw, which after his prior claim about never facing Drew, I had to look up. This is true. He is not lost since he has moved over from SmackDown. All right. Nice. Next week on Raw, they're giving away Nia Jax and Lana. So take your Moxley Omega and get lost. Look at this quality match. Months in the making, and they're giving it away on TV oh, next week. Oh, not a chance we're getting in a clean finish for this one. They're saving this one for Rumble, at least. Maybe Mania. You would think this tag match has to end up as a tables match, don't you think, at TLC? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yes. Lon is freaking out. Mainly because Asuka's not wearing her makeup. This is very weird. We've never seen her without the makeup on. Uh, it's unusual. I mean, have we not never seen it ever? I don't think so. Like she's oh. always had like the face paint on. Right. Oscar is motivating her and gets Lana to repeat the words, I believe in myself. I can beat Nia Jax. And then we can become the women's tag champions. And she keeps telling herself this, turns around. There's Nia who just gives her the look of death and shakes her head. Man, they, seven days. They do these things. I understand the the intent of this segment. It's like, yeah, to have like Lana say these things and then turn around and Nia's there. But in order to do that, they have to have Asuka coach Lana. So Lana is in the middle of speaking the sentence, and inexplicably, Asuka just walks out of frame. Like she's just she just disappears. Meanwhile, you know Nia's like two feet away from all of them. So um, there's no such thing as off camera. You just go into the ether. If you're not being shot. Well, you just like evaporate. Yeah. Um, and then Nia just like stare. The, does the classic lingering stare as we slowly crossfade to the next segment. It's um. anyway, it's. It was, it was great. It was awesome. It was perfect. Seamus is asked about the brogue kick to Drew. Was it intentional? Yeah, yeah, it was fucking intentional. I was clearly going for one guy, missed and hit the other, who's my partner, so that we could lose the match. It was it was intentional. He knows that Drew is going to come back here. You know here. what? At the end of this, I bet you it will have been intentional. Well, we'll see. He knows that Drew's going to try and kick his ass. He's going to do the same. He says it was not intentional. Drew confronts him, and they just stare at one another. We go to break, and we come back, and they're beating the hell out of each other. The locker room is cheering them on. They're recording this because they don't have the USA Network. Pat Buck gets in the middle, so they attack Buck, get together, and they slam him through a table, and then they have a hearty laugh. Pint, but this time you're buying, you cheap bastard. Ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're friends again. So uh, they're buddies again. They're so, the, the battling buddies. So Drew is not mad at Sheamus, I guess. And yeah, this kind of constant push and pull continues. It's to me, I think it's 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 been good. It's been refreshing, and it's been a different way of treating this. Are they friends? Aren't they friends? Type of thing that we've seen so often already this year. You know, between AEW and WWE, um, I I think they're doing the push pull really well, and I think Sheamus and Drew are performing very well. Will they license Cinderella? Oh, um... When the inevitable breakup occurs. Why get Cinderella when you've got Hardy? Hardy, yeah. Imagine everyone hearing a truck 
as these two (laughs) (laughs) recap their their close friendship. Truck. Awesome. (laughs) What are we going to call this one? Uh, It's about a truck. Yes. Red Necker. Jeff Hardy is uh, let's getting... Let's be honest, oh. it's going to be ACDC or like Florida or something like that. Jeff Hardy's getting ready. This this was the best segment of the night. Riddle shows up with his remaining bronuts and he's got his joke and the dude blows the punchline at the beginning. He says, you've got... <laughs> The Hardy Bros. I mean, the Hardy Boys. And then you and I become the Hardy Bros. And dude, this was obviously done live. And I'm so happy it was because it just made it that much more stupid. And then he pitched Jeff that if they teamed together, they could have the broetry in motion. So Jeff just says, dude, I got to go, but I like it. Of course you do, Jeff. Of course. Your artistic taste, no, no boundaries, and out walks Jeff. What, what a just awesomely terrible segment. I love this. I mean, I really think this should be the evolution of the Matt Riddle stoner character. He's a guy who clearly can't remember his lines properly when he's supposed to go he out there. He messes up Raw. his scripted promos. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's great. It's a way more, I think, an accurate depiction of, you know, what a stoner would react or how a stoner would react in in a segment like this. Um, I don't know. Otherwise, what? He's just a, like sort of a dude with really bad ideas. Well, there's only one way to go from from this position. That's up. Bobby Lashley and Jeff Hardy. This was an amazing line that they emphasized that this is their first match in WWE. They said it twice. First time really? in WWE. Yes, they, without mentioning it, Impact got a mention on WWE and AEW in the same week. At least an acknowledgement here. Okay. Because okay. They, have, they have not had a singles match in WWE, but they've had several in TNA. That really surprises me. It wow. did to me as well. Yeah. A night of first. Lashley beats the hell out of him uh, until MVP gets on the apron. He's distracting, and Riddle knows the the calamity that a distraction can provide. So he runs down and yanks MVP down. Hardy hits a clothesline off the apron. We come back. Hardy is thrown into the post off of Lashley's shoulders. Looked like he killed this guy. He's stomping him down, goes for the hurt lock, but Hardy, with his submission defense, rolls forward right into a rear naked choke. Mm. Yes. John Donaher was just shaking his head. And Riddle is coaching him to defend the rear naked choke. And wouldn't you know it, Hardy is able to truck his way out of this submission, tries for a bulldog choke, uh, Lashley does. Hardy fights out of that. MVP's yelling, come on, Hurtlock, we got to go. And Hardy hits the whisper in the wind, but Lashley comes back with a flatliner, counter, and then the twist of fate. But as he goes for the swanton, Lashley moves, spears Jeff, and submits him with the Hurtlock in 13 minutes and 15 seconds. Good match, I thought. You know, uh, especially towards the end, these two have very good chemistry. I'm glad to see that Jeff is seems perfectly, you know, like healthy and capable after that swanton last week. 
I'm interested in um, this. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that Swanton last week was brutal, and mm-hmm. he had to do tribute to the troops, and then wow. he's back on Raw this week. I mean, it was that frightened me last week watching it when, oh, it when frightened he came everybody. down. Oh my god! Yeah. So um, glad he's okay. I'm I'm curious about this like Jeff Hardy Riddle team. It's I think they look at Matt Riddle and they think, wow, here's a guy who's so weird. Let's pair him with somebody else. Um, it's the other weird guy we've got. Well, it's sort of like a main roster version of, of the Broserweights is what, what I sense that they're doing. With Jeff, though, this time kind of playing the Pete Dunn and, and sort of the being the straight man in this unlikely duo. And um, I'm kind of curious to, to know how that'll work out. Riddle, no! <laughs> Jeff, yes! <laughs> so Riddle knocks down MVP. He assists Jeff. Pats him on the head, and MVP eats one of the bro nuts. Are we going to get a re- resolution as to like who actually hit Elias with the car? Or is this done um, after last week? Like they had a match with instruments, and all of a sudden that mystery is solved. We didn't get any follow up to Elias. The last we saw of him was getting electrocuted. There's no update on him. He's on main event now. Well, there He's you got go, Jackson he- Riker. There you go. He lost all his energy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so, you know, like what happened to all the, th- all the stuff about like, oh, this uh, was somebody with red hair. Like what happened with any of that? Are we getting any resolution there? No, not until they have a, a red haired individual ready to tie that all up. I believe even maybe, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be Jackson Riker for the big Je- uh, Jeff Hardy Jackson Riker feud. He doesn't have red hair, but they can always, yeah, dye it. If I if I was the suspect and you knew that they were looking for somebody with red hair, I mean obviously I would the first thing I would do is would be change my hair color. In this company, I wouldn't. I'd be like, "Yeah, I did it. You guys clearly don't care. You're not <laughs> going to involve the authorities." Yeah, I did it. And I also had a gun. If it didn't work, I was going to shoot him. Yeah, yeah, it's almost. Look, uh, why not? Yeah, you, you can do anything in the in this world. You're, you'll be fine. <laughs> you can you can commit arson. You can do a hit and run. Break and enter. You can be like hit. You can have hidden cameras, like centered around the every building across the country for like six months, and nobody would give a shit. Say, I'm an essential worker in this state, so I'm untouchable. Randy's getting ready for his match. The door knocks. He opens the door. He doesn't see anyone. And then we hear the words down here. And Ramblin' Rabbit is at eye level on the door. This had to be among the stupidest segments Randy Orton has ever been involved with. And that covered some ground. But this, to me, was a sign that this guy... He just sees what he's scheduled to do, and he—it's like, cool, I'll do it. Edge, how are you doing? How's the rehab going? I'm dying a death here. I'm doing a segment with Ramblin' Fucking Rabbit. I mean, on the list of like crazy things that we've seen, I don't think this was. This is not that bad. It's not like he's talking to—he's talking to clearly. He's talking to Bray holding the rabbit. Isn't this is the, the first idea? time we've seen Ramblin' Rabbit outside of the realm of the Firefly Funhouse. They, they've appeared ringside. 
So maybe it's That's not Bray. True. You're right. I don't know. Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. That was our main event. That was your reward for two and a half hours. Bray dumps Orton onto the desk. This is considered mind games because Randy usually fractures someone's spine on this desk. Then Bray puts on the headset and throws to commercial break. We come back. Something went awry because now Orton's stomping the hell out of him. It's all Randy. Um, I thought they're just having like a clunky match. I'm just looking at the time. It keeps going. Bray is sweating profusely wrestling in this fucking sweater. He hits an impaler DDT. He goes for the sister Abigail. It's stopped with a backbreaker. Then he takes Bray. He drops him on the desk. So all is right in the world. I don't know who the hell's the baby face here. I guess I'm supposed to be rooting for the guy that is going to commit emotional torture onto his victims. He nearly gets caught with Sister Abigail. Randy thumbs him in the eye, hits a draping DDT. He sets up for the RKO. We get a power down of the lights, but we can still see shit. So Randy's unaffected. He goes for the RKO. Then it's completely dark. And then uh, suddenly... The lights come on. Randy's laying on top of the fiend, which would be a pinfall, except this is not Bray Wyatt. It's the fiend. It's two separate people. Therefore, the match has stopped, apparently. The mandible claw is applied, and fiend just yells, buy this pay-per-view. And the hold continues. The show ends three hours. Gone. Forever. Done. Yeah, like in, man, like, I guess in their thinking, they're thinking like, man, no one's ever going to see this coming. This will be so shocking and such a satisfying conclusion to this three-hour show that nobody will complain afterwards. You know, they won't demand any sort of ending, any sort of conclusion to this match. They'll just think, whoa, how did you do that? How did you turn the lights off and then replace the guy, like, with himself (laughs) being pinned? Yeah, um, I felt really, I mean, I wasn't really too high up on this. Uh, if you couldn't tell everybody listening to this uh, uh, very glowing review, I, I was not too high up on this edition of Raw anyway. It was a very slow edition of Raw with matches that we had just really um, seen in various iterations um, for many weeks. I make an exception for, I think, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I continue to really enjoy that storyline. I like AJ's Jay's involvement. I like Miz and Morrison's involvement. But beyond that, I I thought this was just a really slow show that didn't leave me a whole lot um, satisfied with coming out of it. You know, you could have, like, asked yourself, you know, like, if you did not watch this episode of Raw, did you miss anything? Nothing. Nothing. You, I, I can pull out some positives from this show, but nothing that warrants three hours. Nothing that warrants two hours, to be quite honest. Like, it's... You're either interested in Drew and AJ or you're not, and that's really the crux of the show. Uh, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt is just uh, – the angles do the exact opposite of what the intention should be for angles to build up a match. They are detracting to the point that I don't want to see these two together. Um, I, I thought this was a, a very, very long plotting show um, where the the strong points uh, – I can't even go and use the word strong. The passable points uh, were greatly outweighed by the missable, the skippable, and the outright stupidity. I sense this week for whatever reason they were having really, uh, like a lot of issue, I think, creating any sort of extra story to drag this Randy Orton fiend thing along. Last week it was like 
I think the whole thing was like what Alexa Bliss teasing that the fiend was manipulating Randy and it wasn't like the, the Randy was going on this whole thing about like how Alexa was um the fiend's most like the weak weakness the fiend's weakness and this week Alexa was gone so we had no follow up on it but and so as a result we it seemed like we had no storyline to talk speak up whatsoever so it was just a week where I think you dangled the carrot of these two having a re- a wrestling match non-fiend Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton taking that away of course at the end and ultimately it's just like you're relying on the same trick of like you know the fiend's surprise appearances to kind of carry you through and at this point it's really not enough a poor edition of raw we go on over to the forum where uh i i think that we could uh just see tumbleweeds here eight out of ten show i'm joking (laughs) Then I got a three out of 10. Paul from New Jersey writes, the fiend is hit or miss for me, but I enjoyed it tonight. I like that Cedric Alexander is getting a lot of shine and isn't just another member of the Hurt Business. That being said, it baffles me that Ricochet has not improved even one percentage point on the mic since joining this company. It's painful. That Miz TV segment stank worse than a dead frog. First name or not, this riddle character, out. It's absolute crap. Not a good show. Could have watched Click with an hour and 13 minutes to spare. Good movie. Two out of ten. And we get a Kate from Montreal who says, There were some entertaining bits tonight, but after watching War Games, I found it even more ridiculous that we're meant to accept Lana as a top-tier performer in the women's division. I think she's a talented entertainer, and I don't understand why that isn't enough. Why do they have to make her not just a wrestler, but a title contender? Management obviously thinks MVP is value without needing to throw him into every high-profile match. Why can't Lana play that sort of role? I don't disagree. I think that's a great comparison point. MVP would be, to me, diminished if they were throwing him in the ring every week. They see his value, and he excels in that role significantly. And he can you can put him in TV matches, but he is not best optimized in that role. Uh, and I think that goes tenfold for Lana, who is a very good personality, uh, but in this role... She's a she's a very weak wrestler by the standards of your own program. And I don't think is a very convincing babyface, but it's also a numbers game. Like this is this is she is positioned right now as your number two babyface on on Raw. Maybe like they feel like there's a ceiling when it comes to, you know, managers that they they want Lana to exceed. Maybe they see Lana as like, you know, a potential oh charlotte level or or becky level or maybe not that sounds ridiculous if they ever think that but they they perhaps at least think that lana is capable of a level beyond you know what 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 she was able to to achieve just as a manager um that's my only thinking well that brings an end to raw um great to be back with this got me right back into the thick of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this will do that to you. You know, it was like a long, intense um, mental workout. Have you begun Ultima Lucha? I have, yeah. I watched the first hour, so I have two more to go. Well, I got an hour and a half to go. Much faster paced than tonight's Raw. Yeah, quite enjoyed the first hour. Um, again, Get your feedback in before tomorrow at about noon, everybody. If you have any thoughts on Lucha Underground and itself, I'm looking forward to talking about it. That'll be on the Post Wrestling Cafe tomorrow night. 
And in the meantime, you can catch up on our other shows. As I mentioned, the NXT TakeOver Post Show is up. Our interview with Mauro Ronaldo, And then Tuesday, three shows coming out with Rewind Away covering Ultima Lucha for Cafe members. A special Impact podcast with Davey Portman and Andrew Thompson. And Andrew will also be dropping an interview with Julius Smokes. All coming up at postwrestling.com. So check out all of that. And then we're back Wednesday with Rewind to Dynamite and Up Next. Way. What would DJ Diesel say about tonight? Um, I don't know. I think he would just make a face, like a, like the one, like the hot one's face. Okay. Good night.